Welcome to another episode. Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Jordan Hagedorn. As you can see from the show notes, we're going to talk about Jordan's origin story. But before we get into that, thanks to the sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC, COMC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Fooled you, Mike Stadium Sports Cards. I did not forget you, Mike. Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. I like to mix it up a little bit. Jordan, welcome here to Dallas. It's always fun to do in-person interviews. I'm delighted to have you here and looking forward to hearing some of your origin story from being uh, a collector. But now, are you an agent slash collector or collector slash agent? I'm kind of a jack of all trades, but okay. uh, I, I like to do it all. Well, cool. Well, tell, tell us about your journey. Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me. I, I speak for my 12-year-old self and my current <laughs> self Good. and all of these collectors who worshipped your magazine back in the day. Okay. Thank you for having me and, and I'm honored to be on the podcast. Well, I'm glad you're here and I'm looking forward to hearing. Again, uh, listeners know that these are pretty much unedited and unscripted. And so it's, uh, I, I just look forward to hearing your story. Sure. And, so, and the fact that there was some intersection with our magazines and books and perhaps grading, that those are positive things as well. But 100%. So I'm originally from a city called Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It's about 90 miles from Minneapolis. And being a Wisconsin, you grow up a Packer fan. So yeah, have to, I guess. So that, that's how it shook out for me and huge Brett Favre fan. So when I was nine years old, the Packers, Favre had just taken over about a year before that, a couple years in. Came in and I fell in love with Brett Favre and the Packers and they just started to get real good. And I got into collecting that same year in 94. And okay. so was collecting Favre and Marshall Falk. And how it all got started was we would go to the grocery store and my parents said, if you help carry the groceries in from the house, I was nine years old, eight years old. And if you help carry the groceries in, we'll buy you a pack of cards. What a deal. And so a $2 pack of 1994 score football was the first pack. And I was chasing Marshall Falk and Barry yeah, Sanders yeah. and Brett Favre. Wow. Did you uh, did you uh, get your parents to go to the grocery store more frequently? Or? I, I asked often. I was like, do we need groceries yet? Do we need groceries? I'm ready. So once we needed groceries, though, I was locked in. And then I eventually started mowing lawns and, and getting into you know any birthday money or Christmas money went to buying cards. And so would then go to the local card shop and card shows. And as you discover that, as you know, as a collector, you branch out and you see new packs and new sets and new players. And so then 95, it grew and you see other sports too. So now you're seeing Ken Griffey Jr. and Frank Thomas, Michael Jordan, Penny Hardaway. But you were mainly football, you would say? It started with football just because of the Packers and it really branched out to be baseball, basketball, football. Those were the three that and I really And mainly, it sounds to me, it's mainly players that you liked or that you thought were worthy of emulation. Is that what you're trying so to say? So I believe this in life in general, but with sports specifically, I don't think you pick your favorite athletes. I think they pick you. I think they sing to you. I think there's something about a certain athlete, whether it's the style or the way they play or their uniform or the way they carry themselves okay. or some of those key moments that actually sing to you. So between Favre and Michael Jordan, Shaq, Penny Hardaway, Ken Griffey Jr. with that backwards hat. I'm a lefty, so playing baseball, I'm left-handed. You see that sweet swing, and and he was just unbelievable. So, I mean, 90s was an incredible era, and so it was really an easy time to fall in love with Were sports. Were you uh, in Eau Claire? Were there several card shops? There were three I mean, card shops at one point, shops. MVP wow. Sports Cards, Sports Cards Plus, shout out to Richard, and then Mark's Cards, which was another one. And at that time, you know, there was 5,000 card shops in America. Yeah, it was the that. height, you know. Well, we, you know, we, we had almost 20,000. <laughs> 20, we got our magazines at one point. Wow. Yeah. I guess my number was off. But, you know, well, as you, uh, where are they now? <laughs> true, there's, true. There's a few remnant left. eBay stores now, right? Yeah, most, that's yeah. the game. So, but yeah, it was, it was a, a great era to be a sports fan. And as a collector, every kid in school had cards. And some of my best friendships came from cards, you know, collecting and trying to get that card from them. Jason Kidd was one of my favorites. And, as you continue to branch out, you somewhat buy packs or singles or whatever it may be. But I always focused on Favre. I had a very, looking back, I still have my binder. It's a very base Favre. Um, but yeah, from there, I, I continued to collect. I got out of the hobby in 2000 and then ended up moving to New York. Fast forward, I uh, moved to New York for a job in, in 2013. And then 2014, I went to a card show in White Plains. Okay. And I got back in. I started East buying, Coast National? Or East Coast in, National. Started yeah. buying old 90s inserts, you know, dollar cards, 50 cent cards. And they were just gorgeous cards. 
And I was like, this is going to come back. I feel like there's a lot mm. of love that's missing. And there's guys like us now, you come in, you got a few bucks. Well, the price got lower because the demand just dropped off because there were so many overproduced things. You know, if you started in 94, you've, you, you missed most of the overproduced area, era, but there still were some. And, but some of those inserts from the mid late nineties, as you know, have just exploded crazy because and, they're one per case. Right? And I believe they are the most beautiful cards ever produced, right? There's something pure about a 52 mantle tops, of course, but these beautiful inserts, the shiny ones, the numbered ones, you know, everything got started there. Game used, you know, having, I have a game used Griffey jersey, the first one that was produced. And those are amazing cards. And, and so I got back into it, started collecting those. And then from there, uh, bought four Michael Jordan rookies, you know, at the time, four or 500 bucks. Now they're eight to 1200. I mean, it really exploded over the five years I got back into it. And as I was collecting, Why I said, you just buy four? <laughs> I should have bought yeah. 400, right? Well, whatever. I because know. I bought them because I loved them and I wanted yeah. to make sure my friends could get them too. So I'll okay. eventually probably gift those okay. to friends. But from there, I said, I need a purpose. So as I was collecting, I, uh, I said, why don't we have a purpose here to something to look forward to? So I said, I'm going to write a book. And so now I'm in the midst of writing three books, one baseball, one okay. basketball, one football. And it will be the 1980 to 2000, the evolution of cards. Cool. Cool. I look forward to reading that. At one point, I felt like I'd read every book that had been printed about the industry and subscribed to every magazine. Uh, and now I listen to every podcast that I am aware of that, uh, and there's a lot of people doing good work and I'm sure yours will be, again, you're going to be able to weave in some personal stories, uh, as well as, uh, just, uh, I suppose you'll do some interviews and things like that. That sounds cool. That sounds great. I appreciate it. Yeah. The fun part has been connecting with people, right? Like yourself and growing up reading Beckett and looking at Beckett and now to be sitting here with you, it's, you know, it's an honor and it's, it's a privilege. It's really fun. And, but that is what the hobby's about, you know, uplifting the hobby and finding ways to connect with like-minded people. And, you know, I've seen some of your collection and we're similar. We, we're hoarders, right? We love, we love don't, these cards. A, don't tell my wife that, you know, she's going to listen to this and say, I got called out or, uh, I don't know. I prefer to say advanced collector. Okay. I'm with it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, going back to those, the, uh, one of the things when I'm trying to explain to someone such as my wonderful wife, it's hard to explain these shadings and, and minor variations and color differences that mean it's the same design, but it's a different color. And therefore it's a lot, lot more expensive. Whereas the cards you're mentioning of the mid to late, especially the late nineties, these beautiful insert sets were separate designs. And when you, when you were thumbing through packs, those cards popped. Yeah, so, so when you came back, were you going for the inserts or you, were you, worrying about base sets or were you indiscriminate? I was really looking through those dollar boxes to start and finding cards that sang to me. So a Barry Sanders, a Marshall Falk, a Brett Favre, okay. Frank Thomas, Cal Ripken, superstar guys that I enjoyed watching play. And every single card, as you know, is a piece of art. It's a beautiful piece of mm -hmm. art that somebody designed and, and somebody took the time to create and you pick out the photo and they're just beautiful and very underpriced still, in my opinion. So I got back into that and then I've been fortunate. I became an NFL agent and yeah. this is my third season. And so now I collect my first clients, Harrison Bucker, who yeah. uh, Super Bowl bound just yesterday. They Absolutely. Their head Absolutely. There, I have a pretty awesome Harrison Bucker collection now too. So I'm sure you do. But that's cool. It's pretty cool to be able to have a love of football, collect, and then you can collect your own player who you represent. So it's been a blast. And like I said, connecting with a lot of these people in the hobby has been really fun and you meet high-end collectors, new collectors, young, old, you know, just different walks of life. And it's really a, a nice connecting point for all of us. You sound like you're, I mean, are you, uh, you're like a marketing and PR guy, but not just for Harrison, but for our industry, it sounds like. I mean, I'm trying. is that just the way you, because you have a positive tone and you're promoting in a, in a nice way? Is that what your book is going to be about and your agency? Is that, is that kind of your, your thing? Yeah. So I started my own marketing agency because it really became about uplifting people, helping people and bringing the love that we have for the hobby to the world, right? All of us got started with one card. And for me, it's like the early Brett Favre base cards, yeah. a 1994 score. And now it's fast forward to where I have one of the craziest Favre collections of all the PMGs and the rubies and just these yeah. amazing, robust insert collections. So 
I think it's about spreading that joy to other people and finding ways to elevate the hobby and curate groups of people that really have this positive tone. And I mean, everything I do, it's about uplifting and trying to bring love to the situation. Yeah. What uh, did you listen to the episode that Rich and I did about walk hard? Uh, no, I didn't. I think it was it just. I think it just recently came out, but basically those are some of Brett Favre's toughest cards, the, the 50 stripe, the 100 stripe, 1000 stripe kind of things. And that was a short-lived company. We kind of talked about the rise and fall. And then you got Collector's Edge that will do something about, and they have so many different variations and, and ways. So is your, uh, you know, many of the people that get into personal, uh, you know, player collections mainly focus on the whales. Is, is that the nature of you? Are you looking at the I'm breadth of having... All, you know, everything of everything. I have a very robust Favre collection. I love the shiny inserts. Um, if they're numbered, that's great and that's fine. But I'm more of a fan of um, just getting a lot of the cards that I liked as a kid. And some of these inserts, some of the most beautiful Favre cards, in my opinion, are literally $5, right? So for me, it's about the beauty of it. I, I like the thought of having one of the most robust Favre collections, 1991 to 2000. I got out of it at that point. So some of the cards in the, the okay. early 2000s don't sing to me as much. Okay. I didn't really have okay. them. They're not as nostalgic. Um, my ultimate goal with my Favre collection, though, is to have a display at the Packer Hall of Fame to be able to tell his career story through his cards and then be able to give a ton of cards, far cards to fans. I have over 12,000 far cards. So at some point, that's I'm going to share those. what I was trying to get. Let's, let's table the far discussion because I want to come back to that perhaps in another episode. Sure. Cause there's, we're not going to go through listeners, uh, 12,000 card by card. I probably, I don't have 12,000 different, but maybe I have 12,000. I don't know. That's great. But, I would love to see but, it. Uh, this, we might have a dueling, dueling, uh, uh, collection here, but, uh, you mentioned Marshall Falk. Did he fall by the wayside or are you still... I still have a good Falk collection. So the thing about writing this book, it's given me an excuse or a reason, I guess, yeah. to collect a lot of different people. So a lot of Hall of Fame guys, Randy Moss, Peyton Manning, a lot of these players. And then, of course, on the baseball side, Frank Thomas, Cal Ripken Jr., Mark McGuire. I've really gone back into the 90s and found the best of the best and what made yeah. the hobby so great. And it's kind of like a time capsule that moments frozen in time between yes. your magazine and these cards, I would say, um, there's a pretty robust collection of 90 stuff. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady's Who Fell in 2000, right? So this whole book will be very visual and the books will be visual. The books will be telling stories of the players. The players and the cards will be the heroes. That's the focus. There will be personal stories that will probably fall online on my website, but ultimately, um, the books are going to be very focused on those superstar players. So my collection is very robust. The room that we saw and some of the cards that you have, I would say, um, I have a very similar and interesting collection that of probably over 100,000 cards. Well, that sounds terrific. One thing I was going to ask you about is, uh, and it sounds like I think I know the answer, but so many people that uh, that I talk to, because I, I mainly just do pro bono consulting for people and organizations that have issues they want to deal with. <laughs> they don't want to pay any money, but they'd like to get some advice. And a lot of it's on publishing. or Not a lot, but it, publishing comes up frequently. And there, there's so many people that want to do a book. Or they maybe start on it, but they, they just can't get it done, or they can't get started, or they can't put it together. And you're doing, I think, what I really recommend to most of them, and that is a good way to get started is by doing a podcast. Just record 15 or 30 minutes. That's simpler and easier than scripting out, writing, and punctuating, uh, making paragraphs. Just speak it and get some feedback, You know, put it out there in the cyberspace. See what's what. And so you're going to do a podcast. Yeah. I'm going to and so that'll it. be a way to release it, get some feedback. And then the book is kind of the culmination, perhaps. Yeah. That's a great it's way. It's an to excellent it. way to do it, I think. Thank you. I and I may it. do that at you some should. point, but I'm, I'm early on. I've only done a hundred episodes. That's good. You'll get that. I have lofty goals. So. I like it. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. The goal is to just continue to connect with people with a lot of knowledge and good. that love the hobby and you build your tribe and starting a podcast called For the Hobby, which will really talk about the hobby. Okay. We'll collect a lot of great okay. people. And, well, we're out of time, but I've got one last question, and that is kind of the separation of church and state. You're an agent and you're a collector. How do you draw that line 
that even in your book, you're going to be unashamedly a collector, but clearly an agent and a, and a, and a, and a marketing, a marketer for some of these situations. How are you, what line in the sand are you going to draw that, that people would know, the collectors would know and the players would know that this is, Jordan does this, but not this, or he does this in a, in a, in a, in a good way. So well, what's, what's your Jim, line? as you know, in life, the best things are blurry and the best okay. things have a gray area. So we'll continue to pour the love into it and see what happens. Okay. You heard it. You heard it. The, the blur. I got to try that. Oh, I've been accused of being too black and white, but I'm, I'm getting grayer in my, in my uh, older age. So thanks Jordan for being with us and uh, listeners as well. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. Do it.